Thank you, my friend. Thank you, praise team, choir. Appreciate you so much. It is good to see you this morning in the house. It's good to have those joining us online. If you have a copy of God's Word in print or digital form, would you take it and join me in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 3. We're going to read in a few moments in uh, verse 7, beginning in verse 7. We are wrapping up this morning a series that we've been studying the last uh, three weeks called The Here and Now. And what I want you to see today and how we have kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together is the pattern that has been established for us. In week one, the first part of February, we began with the understanding of accepting the invitation that God extends to each and every one of us to follow him and to be like him and to journey with him. And then last Sunday, we looked at how sometimes it's easy to default back to the way we used to, back to the things we like to do, and the story of James and John and their mom and the motivation of why they follow Jesus and how important it is that we keep those motivations in check. And then this morning, kind of wrapping this together, we're, we're experiencing, we're learning this idea of being transformed in the likeness of Christ to follow Christ. He transforms us from simply being fans and cheerleaders of Jesus into being fully devoted, transformed followers of Christ. Last week, with the help of my wife and my two girls, I was able to finally finish organizing my study, my library there in my office. And as the girls were helping me, my oldest daughter Hallie said, this man does not need another book for the rest of his life. But as we were putting things in order and where they belong and kind of how I like to, to do things and, and there is, uh, you know, everything has a place and there's a place for everything is the way that I kind of operate. I came across a book that I've read before, a book that I've, I've taught before in a, a, a certain series and those things, and maybe you've read it. It's been out for a number of years. It was written by a man named Kyle Eidelman, and the name of the book was Not a Fan. If you haven't read that book, Not a Fan, it's an easy read. encourage you to get it maybe on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you like to shop for books. But listen to what Eidelman says in his book, Not a Fan. He says, it may seem that there are many followers of Jesus, but if they were honestly to stop and define their relationship that they have with him, I'm not sure that it would be accurate to describe them as followers. It seems to me that there is a more suitable word to describe many Christians. They're not followers, they're fans. He goes on to say, my concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. Every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus, but they leave with no interest in following him and being transformed by him. One of the biggest threats Eidelman writes to the church today are fans that call themselves Christians but actually 
are not interested in following Jesus. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits that he offers, but not so close that he would require any change from them. And one of the reasons our churches have become fan factories, as he says, is that we've separated the message to believe and the message to follow. So the question as we journey together, as we bring this series to a close today, is right here, right now, in this moment, February 19th, 2023, are you, church, a fan or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Would you stand in honor of reading God's word, Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. We're going to read through verse 15. Those verses will be on the screen for you. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, a great number of people heard all that he was doing and came to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, you are the son of God. And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Find your listening sheet as we journey together through the understanding of transformation. So the dictionary defines a fan as this. One who is an enthusiastic admirer and usually a spectator. Being in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we have at our fingertips and just a short drive away, a myriad of spectator sports that we can attend. The Cowboys, the Stars, the Mavericks, FC Soccer, just to name a, a few, and there are more. But you see, being a follower of Christ is different than being a sports fan for whatever your favorite team might be. My great admin assistant, Shirley, she loves the Buckeyes, so I pray for her on a daily basis. <laughs> but being a follower of Jesus is more than celebrating your favorite team. A follower is much more deeply involved and invested than just wearing the colors or being a fan. See, the dictionary tells us that a follower is one who is in the service of, one who follows the teaching of another, one who imitates the one that they follow. And so a follower is committed to be and to do all things for their master. Not just be a spectator, 
not just show up, not just be a fan of the person they believe in, but to truly be transformed and follow the person they believe in. So there's a strategy that Jesus uses to move us from fans and spectators to transformed followers of his. Notice in verse 14, it says that he appointed the 12. And the 12 are also called and known as apostles. Depending on the translation, it might use that word there. And this word appointed means to make to transform, to mold, to shape into the person and the plan that he has for us. To become those messengers and to look more like him. And so, transformed followers understand a few things. And here's the first if you're a note taker. Transformed followers understand that you must be in his presence. The first part of verse 14, following this appointment, it says there, he calls them to himself so that they would be with him. Underline the word be, maybe circle it, put it in a box, but really come to understand this idea of being with Jesus. He calls them to be his steady, consistent companions on this journey of faith. Others come and go. The crowd shows up and then leaves. They're here one day, gone the next. The crowd comes one Sunday, gone a month. Others attach for a season, a period of time, and then they're gone. But followers identify their lives with the life of Jesus. And they desire and they seek to live in and be in his presence. And so Jesus has this desire for his followers to want to hang out with him. And he calls them to just join and sit at his feet and be with him. In a world of doing, how are you at being because really before you can do anything in the name of Jesus or for the name of Jesus you have to be with Jesus and spend time with him and when we're with him we learn from him he loves us and he pours into us how to love others I don't know about you but I have a hard time sometimes loving difficult people do you it's okay to be honest and transparent at church. Did you know that? You don't have to fake it. It's tough. And so Jesus pours into us. And I think the essence of this training program that he assigns us as disciples and he appoints us to become like him is, is one that doesn't have this manual that we carry around of rules and regulations that... We have to do this and not do that. When really the simplicity is, just be with me. He's all about us living in relationship with him. And the most important element of discipleship 
And discipleship, the big word of growing and being more like Jesus, the heart of being a Christian and a follower and not a fan is spending time with Jesus. Learning, listening, loving, and not wanting even to leave that place. But here's the truth and the struggle, the rub of it all. You and I are as close to Jesus as we want to be right now. You and I are as close as we want to be. I think sometimes we think that there is something keeping us from being closer to Jesus. But you're as close as you want to be. Jason Crosby says it like this. God will take you as deep with him as you want to go. Do you have a desire? Do you have a longing to be transformed and to be with him and to go deeper with him? You and I have to take responsibility for our growth, for our relationship with Christ. Spiritual growth is intentional, it's not automatic. Just showing up on Sunday does not make you a Christian or a growing believer or follower in Jesus. It's not automatic. I was born into a Christian home, but I wasn't automatically a Christian. There's intentionality that has to happen there that we long for him to take us to a place we've yet to go and to experience. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent, the intentional, that person is richly supplied. So what's your plan today when you leave? Maybe even in this moment. What's your plan to be and to live and to exist in the presence of God? And then building upon that plan, practicing his presence in and throughout your daily life. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And so when you spend time in the presence of Jesus, what happens is you not only begin to look like Jesus and he transforms you into his nature, but other people notice that. They notice there's something different about you. But the flip side of that same coin is this, that when you don't spend time with Jesus, when you are not in his presence, other people notice that too. It rubs off on them. And so we have a decision to make that we're as close as we want to be. We're as Christian as we claim to be. We're a follower as much as we want to be. But you have to have a desire to be more than where you are. What's your plan? And when people notice, they ask questions. And transformation begins its process. The Bible tells us this same thing happened in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, 
They didn't know what they were talking about. They're just common men. It says they were astonished. It goes on to say, and they recognized, not that they had attended church. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They noticed something different. They noticed a transformation in the experience in the times that they were with Christ. I heard a statement one time, and I, I cannot give adequate, um, you know, credit to the person who owns the statement. It was told to me by somebody else, and I've just kind of internalized that statement. So who it comes from, I apologize, I'm not for sure on. But the statement was this, wherever you are, be all there. I've told my children that for many years now. Wherever you are, be all there physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Be all there because the struggle is sometimes, I don't know about you, but it does happen to me where I'm physically somewhere, but my mind is somewhere else. And maybe, it, maybe it's happened to you before when you've sought and had that desire to be in the presence of the Lord and you are physically there and you're emotionally there but your mind is going what's next what's on the agenda what's on the calendar what's on the to-do list and we struggle in being all there with Jesus so let me encourage you work hard at wherever you are to be all there in the center, as the song was sung for us a moment ago, the center of what he has for us and who he is. Here's the second thought for you this morning. Followers who are transformed boldly proclaim the truth. Look at the second part of verse 14 here. We're, we're appointed, we're summoned to be with him, and then it says, so that he could send them out to preach. This idea of sending out, it's the root word of the word apostle. The, the word apostle means sent one. And so they are being sent out to preach. And I think a lot of times we reduce preaching and proclaiming the truth to just the preacher and somebody who does that on a Sunday morning. But you understand that if you've been appointed and you're being made and shaped into his likeness and transformed, you spent time in his presence, you are now a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's appointed you to do that work. And you boldly proclaim that truth. Preaching is, is simply this act of going forth and proclaiming a message of the king. That you herald to the world, to those who would hear and receive that message. You are a preacher. But the struggle is in our increasingly secular society that we live in. It is becoming more and more difficult to proclaim his truth because everybody wants to create their own truth. When someone says to you, or when you overhear someone say, this is my truth, there is a strong likelihood, church, that what they're saying is, this is my truth 
opinion. This is truth. And if we get away from this, if our motivations, you see, are not in check, then we come up and create our own truth all the time. And it's difficult when you live in a world that says, well, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. No, this is the truth. And this truth says it will set you free. And you don't have to worry about other people's opinions <laughs> or yours because there's clarity in God's word. According to a book David Kinnaman wrote called Good Faith, Being Christian When Society Thinks You Are Irrelevant and Extreme. It's a great subtitle. But in the book it says that 60% of Americans believe that if you try to lead somebody to Christ and proclaim his truth, you are an extremist. Now, I'm not one to back away from a challenge like that. Are you and I willing? Are we ready? We've used that phrase a lot. Are you ready to be labeled an extremist for proclaiming the truth of Jesus? That's what followers do. Fans, not so much. Followers proclaim the truth. And it is critical, my friends, that we proclaim his truth, not our truth, not something we've just simply established. But we understand the truth of the word of God and we don't try and do it in our own strengths or our abilities. And we proclaim that truth with love because if we proclaim it with anger and hate, they will not listen. They will not care. And you've lost all opportunity and all authority that is mentioned in verse 15 to do so. He says that I'm sending you out to preach and proclaim the truth and that I have given you authority to cast out the demons. That word authority has this idea of delegating and receiving permission to use his power. Reminds me of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power, authority, my permission. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, my apostles, my messengers, my followers in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this was certainly evident, I think, when that first church was launched and we see that in Acts 4 verse 33 with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. My friends, followers proclaim the truth of Jesus. But finally this, transformed followers believe in their calling. And so we've, we've spent time with him. We've been in his presence. 
We learn to boldly proclaim his truth, not ours, not someone else's. And we remember and believe in our calling. I think there are times, again, where we reduce the calling of followers of Christ to simply calling of a pastor or calling of a minister or the call to be a missionary. If you have received Jesus and are being transformed into his likeness, you are called, summoned to follow him. But I think we wrestle and think, well, I'm not educated enough. I'm not qualified enough to proclaim his truth. I don't know enough about Jesus or enough of the Bible but you see, you're as close to Jesus and you know as much as you want to know right now. But take what you do know. Start where God has taken you and let him do the rest. Qualification in following Jesus has nothing to do about education. It's all about transformation. I mean, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And Jesus puts together this motley crew, if you will, and appoints them to the work of ministry. It's fair to say, I think, that all the names listed for us in verse 16 and following were not individuals who would have been voted as most likely to succeed in your school. Now these guys, I mean they are the first century millennials, alright? There's no rabbis, they're, they're not professional theologians, they're not teaching at a Christian university. These guys are foul-smelling fishermen, like Trevor. <laughs> I'll pay for that later. And this is a crew that had a guy that everybody beats up on because he, they say he doubted Jesus, but you know, really, he's just the guy who was bold enough to ask the question they were all thinking. And then you have this other guy who is huddled up with Jesus in this motley crew that would betray him. And if Jesus can use a, a ragtag team like that to turn the world upside down, I'm pretty sure he can use a ragtag team like this. And I think he will. I think God has great plans for the family and the people of Hunter's Glen. If we will surrender to him and be in his presence and spend time there and be willing to do the hard things of proclaiming his truth. At the core of this word disciple, and we throw that word around a lot, at the core of the word disciple is this meaning and understanding of learner, follower, 
at the end of the first service, I had a gentleman come up to my wife and I there in the foyer as we were receiving some people, and he said that this idea of disciple, he had been told one time, it's the one who follows in the dust, and that's exactly right. It's not a social media relationship to be a follower of Jesus. It's not as simple as clicking a like button on social media or Facebook. It's much more intentional and probably even more difficult than just adding to the number of followers on Facebook. No, a true follower of Jesus is one that follows him out of commitment, not out of convenience. And so here and now, this moment, remember the question? Are you a fan of Jesus? Or are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus who is being transformed into his likeness? Today, before you leave, will you answer that question? Will you come and be with him? Let me pray for us this morning. Father, your word has gone forth and we know and the truth is that it will not return void. And so God, by the power of your word and the truth of your word, may your spirit move in and amongst and through each and every one of us. And that wherever we are, we'll be all there with you, practicing your presence throughout our daily lives. Boldly proclaiming the truth with love and grace to those we come in contact with. And God recognizing that we have to believe in our calling. We have to understand we are disciples. We are learners. We are followers. And no, we don't have it all together. No, we haven't figured it all out. But we are walking in the dust of the one who teaches us who has summoned us to his side. And so, Father, for those here this morning in the house, those watching online, I pray. I pray that the Spirit would speak and that they would answer with obedience. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, maybe today God has spoken to you and you say, I want to be summoned to his side for the first time in my life. I want to receive the grace of Jesus and be transformed by his love. If that's you today, we welcome you. You come. Our ministers will be down front. Maybe you want to follow in baptism. You've yet to take that first step of obedience. You come. Our ministers would help you in understanding the symbolic reasons of baptism and help you on that journey. Maybe you want to be a part of a ragtag team. Doesn't have it all together and that's imperfect. His name is Hunter's Glen and we welcome you to be a part of the group, the family.